Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament Lectionary Podcast. I'm Rachel Wren, Assistant Professor of Biblical Studies at Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University. And I'm Tim McNinch, Assistant Professor of Hebrew Bible at Christian Theological Seminary. Our delightful co-host Rosie is off for the week, but eh, you still got us. Yeah, lucky you. <laughs> Rachel's up to bring you preaching tips for the second week of Advent, which falls on December 4th, 2022. Rachel, where are you going to take us? Well, I'm going to start with this Isaiah 11 text. This is just a beautiful text. It starts out with that that line, A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. We love this text, right? I mean, mm. yeah, for Christians, this is just a classic Advent text. And this summer, I actually got to see this text in action, if you will. Full disclosure, this uh, little blurb is going to come from a talk I did at Trinity on Trinity Days in September. In that time, I actually referenced a song, too. So if you want to Google that and look it up and, and actually get to see and hear that song, you can. Uh, but for the rest of this, this is this is pretty much all you need to hear. Isn't every day Trinity Day at Trinity every Seminary? Every day is, should be, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Back to the text at hand and my description that I got to see this text this summer. Mm. So this summer, my family and I were traveling to Washington State for a friend's wedding. And uh, we stayed in this little hotel that was plopped down right in the middle of the forest, a little north of Seattle. And as we were going about our business the next day, I twice saw a tree growing out of a stump. No kidding. Yeah, I really did. <laughs> and both times I had to stop and marvel at it. I don't think I'd ever really noticed this phenomenon before. And actually, to be honest, I didn't even notice it this time until my husband pointed it out to me. But it was remarkable. The stump just sits there, this huge, solid, but decaying form. And out of the stump, the top of the stump, both times grew not just a little sapling, but a giant, fully formed tree. The coolest part, too, wasn't even that, though. The coolest part was that the roots of the new tree come from both inside the stump, but they also grow out along the outside. So they enfold the stump and encompass it. Mm. The stump is no longer just a stump. It's part of the new tree. And what was really evident in that, in that picture as I saw these trees is it was not just the death of the old and the life of the new, but that the stump itself was somehow being resurrected. Mm, getting some theological language there. Yeah. And, and that's really the point I want to make is that it's important to make clear what's going on in the Isaiah text for today. It's not the death of the old and the start of a new. It's a resurrection. Mm. Now, this is where a careful literary analysis of the biblical text can really produce preaching fruit. So, Tim, look at that final verse, verse 10, mm -hmm. for our pericope. What do you notice as being highlighted there? The stump of Jesse is still there, still standing. Yeah, exactly. So it says, On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nation shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. It doesn't at all talk about the sapling, does it? Right, right. It's just about the, the stump, the stock. Yeah. So at the end of this poem, the poet bypasses the... Do you say it sapling or sapling? I say sapling. Oh, I do too, but it looks like it should be sapling. <laughs> All right. Well, dear listeners, you can decide for yourselves. I'll say sapling from here on. I'll just go in line with the hegemony. Okay. <laughs> hegemony by the poet or hegemony? And the <laughs>
Oh, dear. (laughs) The poet returns to the root of Jesse. And we Christians sure like to focus on the shoot and branch part of this text, right? Mm, Right, yeah. And I think that's natural. But before we get there, we need to make sure that we are allowing the fullness of this text to speak to us, allow the, the fullness of the text to sing, as it were. And that final powerful push of this text is not to raise up the shoot, but to return us to our roots. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. So what might it look like to have a sermon this Advent about us being returned to our roots? Mm-hmm. And here, here's where you can even expand this idea of roots even beyond your family and family system. Uh, Reverend Imani O'Lear is a Lutheran pastor from the Upper New York Synod, and she has this really beautiful talk on what she calls the community of belonging. She says, families are wonderful, but you do not get to give consent to be part of your family. (laughs) (laughs) A community of belonging, according to O'Lear, however, is one that you consent to be part of. You don't necessarily share the same DNA. Isn't that what it is to be grafted on to something? Mm. To to belong, but not necessarily to share the same DNA. And when you are grafted into a community, do you then replace or supersede that community? Do you see where I'm going with this here, Tim? Yeah, you're you're pulling a Tyler Mayfield, right? (laughs) Right. What we Christians forget is that we've been grafted into the community. We don't replace the community of Judaism. And nowhere Mm -hmm. is this failure of memory more apparent than in the way that we tend to use uh, these Isaiah texts during Advent. Exactly. Mayfield did this in his great book from 2020 called Unto Us, A Child is Born, Isaiah, Advent, and Our Jewish Neighbors. And what he does there is he helps us uncover the ways that we are using Isaiah not as a grafted member of a community of belonging, but as, sorry, a supersessionist. Mm. When we use Isaiah only as a springboard to get us to Jesus, we dishonor the ancient voice. And and more than that, I think our sermons are weaker. I believe that our sermons actually get better when we let the Hebrew scriptures sing instead of trying to overpower them with a purely New Testament song. That's what's so beautiful about things like compilations. You take one beautiful song, you transition to another beautiful song, and then for the wow factor, you really intertwine the two. I'm thinking of uh, uh, like Silent Night and Night of Silence, if you've ever heard that, those two intertwine at the Christmas hymn. Um, Sometimes you'll do this with like um, Somewhere Over the Rainbow and another song Mm, mm -hmm. um, that you, you kind of like, oh, I enjoy that song. Oh, I enjoy that song. And it's when you put them together and the harmony starts to come in between the melody that it really gets powerful. And that's kind of the whole point I'm trying to make. This might not be the best point for making a podcast, <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is how much better it is when both songs intertwine and neither drowns out the other. Mm-hmm. So, so you take this Isaiah text and you just try to notice what's in this text as it stands on its own. And what Mayfield noticed in that book that I referenced earlier is that there's a vision of peace in verses six through nine that has almost absolutely nothing to do with humanity. So Tim, what are some of the synonyms that we use for animals? Uh, animals, um, fantastic beasts. Uh, beasts. Yeah, exactly. We also use that as an adjective, beastly. You're mm, acting really mm-hmm. beastly, right? 
So so tell me, Tim, who has been acting like beasts in the past, oh, hundred years or so? Has it been the animals or the humans? <laughs> You're uh, hitting a little close to home here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But what I'm trying to say is I don't think we're the first people in the human history to realize that irony. I think Isaiah is kind of playing with it here, too. Because look at who the models are for Isaiah's scene of peace. It's the wolf, the leopard, the lion, the bear, the ox, and our old friend, the snake. Mm -hmm. And sure, you know, this is absolutely prophetic reversal, but there's some deep irony there as well. That in this picture of beloved, harmonious community, the only humans present are a mere youth and a nursing child. It's almost as if that absence speaks louder than words, because where do you think the responsible adults are? They're off making war. Right. But God says, not here. Not here. Not on my holy mountain. They will not hurt or destroy on my holy mountain. For the earth, the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord, just as the waters cover the sea. And this vision of peace, this ecstasy of harmony begins not in the city, but in the wilderness. Now, it's once you've let the fullness of that Isaiah text really breathe that you then pivot in your sermon and you go to the Matthew text for today. Because the gospel lesson starts like this. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's like, you want to know what the kingdom of heaven it looks like? It looks like a spirit in the wilderness, the wilderness where sits the mountain of God, the mountain of God upon which Isaiah asserts there is a vision of peace. This is the wilderness wilderness from which John the Baptist steps. And I wonder what a sermon might be like that tries to intertwine those two. Oh, that's awesome. It's so helpful not to just sort of jump to the Jesus factor, Mm -mm. but to really listen for the voice of this text on its own terms. And this was really great, Rachel. I don't know if I had really noticed the way that it drives toward the root of Jesse at the end there. I always think of this as the, you know, that, that prophecy about the branch. Yeah. But really the culmination is in the root of Jesse. And it's also kind of interesting as you were talking, it it dawned on me that it's not even mentioning David by name there, Mm. but it actually goes to the root of David, which is Jesse. Oh, great point. (laughs) Yeah. Great point. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks a lot for that, Rachel. That was great. Of course. And thanks to all of you for listening to another episode of First Reading. As you may know, all of our back episodes are available and quite searchable on our website, firstreadingpodcast.com. Please consider supporting our work by donating there or by sharing your favorite episodes with the Hebrew Bible lovers in your life. (laughs) We're looking forward to being with you next week. Until then, I'm Tim McNinch. And I'm Rachel Wren. Happy preaching.